This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Do you live near a busy road? Listen, you're not alone if you do. Almost one-third of all Canadians actually live within 250 metres of a busy road. You may not think much about that, but maybe you should. It's probably impacting your health in ways that you may not notice yet. So there's this new study, you've been hearing about it in the news, it's out today, that took a look at traffic pollution and the impact it has. And what's fascinating about this study is that just a few adjustments, just a few little adjustments could make the whole situation a lot better for all of us. Let's find out more now from one of the authors of the study. That is Greg Evans, a professor of chemical engineering and applied chemistry at the University of Toronto. Well, Greg, thanks so much for joining us today to talk about your research. First of all, tell us what it is that you looked into. What we looked into is how Canadians are being exposed to traffic pollution. We did a study back in 2011 that showed that up to a third of Canadians live within 250 metres of a major roadway, and that means that they are potentially being exposed to the emissions from vehicles. So what we want to do is find out what that means. What we did is we set up monitoring stations with our government partners uh, right beside major roadways and at locations where there was very little traffic. And we compared the levels of a wide range of air pollutants and found out, sure enough, that beside the major roadways, the levels of many of these pollutants were a lot higher due to the vehicles on those roadways. And when you say those vehicles, which kinds of vehicles? Is it older, newer? What what do we need to be worried about here? Well, that's really uh, one of the interesting findings for us. So when we started the study, we had the idea that uh, the busier the road, the more vehicles, the higher the emissions the higher the air pollution would be. And what we found is it's really a small fraction of the vehicles that are causing a lot of the problem. In particular, what we found is it's the highly pollutant diesel trucks that are causing a lot of the pollution level. Let me be clear that there's lots of trucks that have proper emission treatment systems on them, are well-maintained, that are not highly pollutant, but there is a small fraction that has either their older um, or they've had their emission treatment system tampered with, and those we found were the real culprits. So you're saying that's actually the problem? Like if we addressed those particular types of vehicles, would that help the situation? That's right. I think that's the, the real opportunity is that if we can target a small number of vehicles, it can make a real difference. And let me give you an example of how we found that. So what we did is we monitored beside Highway 401 here in Toronto, and the busiest stretch of highway in North America, 400,000 vehicles a day going by it, and a fair number of those are trucks. We also monitored Clark Drive in Vancouver, which has about 10 times less traffic, way fewer trucks, but about the same percentage of trucks. And what we found is that the air pollution was very similar at both places. So that told us that it's not the total traffic. It's not even the total trucks the proportion of trucks on the road that really makes a difference, particularly if you're living beside one of those roads. I was just thinking that, like Clark Drive in Vancouver, there's a lot of people who live right off that road. That's right. And that is a road that, because it's close to the port, there's a lot of heavy trucks doing important work. They're moving stuff from uh, from the port, but because there's a high percentage of them, uh, we see the pollution. And, and, and the really dramatic thing is, um, for Clark Drive, 
but also for the 401, is on Sundays, um, the number of trucks drops way down, but the traffic stays about the same, the total number of vehicles. And what we saw is the air gets a lot cleaner. Wow. Okay. And I'm also curious here, Greg, that, you know, we've been talking about emissions and trying to do something about emissions for 30 years plus now. Why why are we not able to fix this problem? Because this does seem like something we can tackle. And, and we are fixing the problem. So as a country, I think there's a lot we can be proud of. Uh, the air quality in many places across Canada has improved, and that's partly because of the regulations that we've put in for things like a stacks or emissions from um, industry. But what's happened is while that's changed, our, our cities have become busier. So the situation has changed. We used to worry about smog days blanketed in a city, and now we're more worried about the much more localized traffic-related air pollution. What that means is that the level of air pollution is no longer similar across the city. It varies a lot in different places in the city based on the amount of traffic activity. So it's really that, that, that we have made progress, but the emissions have changed. So what's it going to take then for us to take the next step where we really can make a difference? Well, I think the uh, one of the joys of this study is it involved three levels of government. It involved uh, regional in terms of Metro Vancouver, it involved provincial in terms of the Ontario Ministry uh, of the Environment, and federal level in terms of Environment Climate Change Canada. And it was that partnership that allowed us to implement the study, but it's also going to be those types of partnerships that can really make a difference. So there are questions at municipal levels in terms of where the trucks go in cities and where facilities like schools and daycares get built. There's questions at the provincial level in terms of monitoring the emissions from the highly polluting vehicles and enforcing them and getting those off the road. And then there's questions at the federal level and issues such as how do we improve and enforce the emission technologies? How do we change the uh, composition of our fuels, for example. And these link in both to health and to climate. So it's really an opportunity to get three levels of government working together on something they all seem to agree on. Right. So where do we start then? Is it easiest to tackle the truck situation? The truck situation, I think, is is the low-hanging fruit uh, in that there's a small portion of vehicles that could be targeted and can make a real difference. But there's things that uh, individuals can do as well. Um, certainly, um, you know, when we use active transportation, we bike, we um, walk, we use transit, that reduces the emissions as well. Uh, we can buy vehicles that really meet the size that we need. There's a lot of Canadians who seem to be buying bigger and bigger cars, pickup trucks and SUVs, and that's creating a problem as well. So you don't need to get a vehicle as bigger than you need. Uh, we can well maintain our vehicles. And also, if somebody is working with a, uh, you know, as a truck driver or working with a trucking organization, they can make sure that their vehicle is not one of the highly emitting ones as well. Right. So it sounds like there's something that everybody can actually do about this. That's right. It's a win-win. So we, it's a place where we can improve both for health and for climate as well. Smaller vehicles, fewer emissions. The uh, emissions from the diesel vehicles includes what we call black carbon, which is a soot. And that's a strong climate warming agent in, in addition to being a health concern. How would people know, though, Greg, that this is impacting them, that they are feeling the effects of this? That's the problem. Air pollutants, is, they're, they're invisible most of the time. 
So if we can't see them, we don't worry about them. And the effects are cumulative over a long period of time. So it's very hard for somebody, unless they're particularly vulnerable, they're asthmatic, or they have a lung condition, then they know. But for most of us, it just builds up over time, and it leads to uh, these, these chronic disease outcomes. So it's very hard for us to know if we don't have ways to measure it. Right, but are you fairly are you fairly optimistic that this is being dealt with? I, I think it's an opportunity. Um, we now have more information. Um, am I optimistic that we're going to resolve this completely? I think it's going to take some time, but at least this opens the door. It creates the awareness. But frankly, it's going to require a lot of public support as well. Uh, simple things like when we do the freight, uh, we need to have things delivered to our stores. We need groceries. We need things to get into the city. At the moment, there's uh, restrictions in terms of when trucks can drive, often restricting them to the daytime. So just people worried about the noise at night. It would make much more sense for that to come in at night uh, when children aren't in the schools, aren't in the playgrounds. Uh, but that would cause some inconvenience in that we would have somewhat more noise at night. Right. So there's going to be a trade-off somewhere for us to fix this problem. There always is a trade-off. That is so true. But I think it's, it's yeah, understanding the priorities. Right. All right, Greg, thank you so much for your time on this. I appreciate the interest. Thank you so much for calling. It's Greg Evans, Professor of Chemical Engineering and Applied Chemistry at the University of Toronto, talking about uh, this pollution that we get on our roads because of traffic, but mainly because of diesel trucks. Was that not so interesting? Is that on Clark Drive, there's just as much pollution as the 401 in, in Greater Toronto, even though there is way less traffic, and it's because of the concentration of trucks that are driving that road.